0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet. It's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. In our show today, Mitch Light joins us. We will talk about Vanderbilt's upset win over South Carolina this weekend. The news today presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Well, as I referenced earlier, Vanderbilt upsets South Carolina in men's basketball, the final from Memorial Gym on Saturday night. Commodore was 93, South Carolina 81. That is a season high in points for Vanderbilt. Also a season high in points from Max Evans, who had 29 points as the Commodores also get 17 from Dylan DeSue, 23 from Scottie Pippen. Pippen also has seven assists and one turnover. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS. Trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and and aesthetics of your smile, Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality, so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Mitch Light appears today on our guest line. The Guest Line is presented by Bowl & Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue... How comfortable Bowling Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are Fair Trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Mitch Light joins us today. He is a college football editor at The Athletic. Mitch, hope you had a good weekend. Thanks for joining us today.
1: I did, Chris. Thank you, sir.
0: Well, different circumstances for the podcast. Uh, We have not done one of these where we had an SEC win to talk about in any of the sports that I cover in almost 11 months. Fandy, of course, gets one going away on Saturday night against South Carolina and we'll get into the Gamecocks a little bit later. Cause that's a strange program right now, but let's hit Vandy first, really good win for the Commodores. That one was, I think what, 25 points with three minutes to play something around that. So, uh, it wasn't just a win, but it was a convincing win.
1: Yeah, there was, there were a lot of promising things about it. Um, like They didn't, you know, if you, the way Vanderbilt had been playing, if you said they're going to pick up an SEC win soon, you'd say, okay, they're going to go 13 for 20 from from three-point range, or they're going to go, you know, they're going to just shoot lights out, Um, and it was a very efficient offensive game, but 13 for 33 is, from three, that's not, you know, that's, that's good, but it's not absurd, and yes, Max Evans scored 29 points, but they didn't win because Max Evans scored 29 points. It wasn't like the LSU game last year where, you know, I'd have to go back and look at the box score. But that's a game where if Max Evans doesn't do what he does, they, they don't win the game. Like, Vanderbilt wins Saturday if Max Evans just plays well. Uh, you know, they again, they didn't need all 29 of his points. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I thought it was well-rounded. The, the rotations were a little different. Uh, you know, Isaac McBride, they clearly tried to get him some backup point guard minutes over Trey Thomas. Trey Thomas has done some good things, but I think we've seen his size and lack of strength be an issue in sec play and mcbride's a talented kid and i didn't play great he hit one three took some ill-advised shots um it was interesting you know dj harvey's minutes were cut down so it just seemed like the rotation was a little bit different and you know pippen again was very efficient that's been the most you know his season's been great in so many ways but his offensive efficiency even going you know i don't have the box score in front of me from the florida game but uh it's 30 point game i think was pretty efficient um so, you know, South Carolina shot the ball well. I mean, it wasn't like Vanderbilt was playing stifling defense, obviously. Um, as you alluded to, Chris, They you know, South Carolina scored a lot of garbage points in the, in the final three minutes. Um, but, yeah, just a, a complete win. And, again, nothing really fluky about it except for Max Evans doing what he did. But uh, And he's a guy we've talked about it all year. If he could have given them from the start, 12, 13 points a game, which he's clearly capable of, I think this team's different. And we we saw what he can do, uh, giving him another score from the perimeter and an athletic kid, obviously. So, yeah, just a really complete game from the team.
0: I think the difference in this game, you had mentioned three-point shooting, not terrific. They were 16 to 26 from two. A lot of those were dunks and fast break layups. Yeah, that was... I thought the difference in the game, they had that spurt of easy points where they just beat Carolina out in transition. They got that. What was it? I think a 30 to 13 lead. I mean, in the first nine or 10 minutes or so, I don't have it in front of me, but that really was the key to the game because from that point on, Carolina did have a run, but then Vandy pulls another one of those later. I thought that was the difference was just the easy buckets.
1: Yeah. And I wrote that down and, um, I don't care what level of basketball you, you play when you can score on transition and don't have to go against a team's half court offense. That's, you know, obviously a good thing. And uh, I, I thought you made a good point. Yeah. So the Vanderbilt gets up 30 13. I think South Carolina cuts it to two, and then Vanderbilt goes on another run. So that was encouraging to see too. So, you know, in some of it, we got to be honest, South Carolina did not play well. They were extremely lazy with their passes early, you know, give credit to Vanderbilt for, um, you know, jumping in those lanes and being active. Uh, I, I think in, in this era of no crowds or very small crowds, if you're a home, and I hadn't really thought about this before, if you're the home team, you want to play Saturday night games. Um, it's the the travel, and I've, you know, as you know, traveled with the football team for for seven years. When you play a night game, there's a lot of sitting around in hotel rooms. And then you go to a gym with very few fans and there's no, you know, the environment's not like it usually is. There's not that. So if you're not motivated from the get-go and which South Carolina clearly wasn't, you find yourself down 30 to 13. Uh, But yeah, just again, credit, credit Vanderbilt for making the plays South Carolina, uh, not a good enough team to kind of go through the motions.
0: Yeah. I want to get back to Vanderbilt in a minute, but that is just an odd situation at Carolina. I mean, it's had a lot of games stopped by COVID. The expectations there as a tournament team, I think, were there in Columbia. Realistic or not, I think there were some people around that program that thought they had a good shot. You know, the floor with Frank Martin is always high. Now, the way he and Andy Kennedy have done things are are different. But, you know, Kennedy was always a guy. They were around 8-8 eight and eight at Ole Miss most years. They They might vary by game. Never quite good enough to get to – the NCA tournament, I think there's a lot of Frank Martin uh, at Carolina, a lot of Andy Kennedy, I mean, at, at Carolina, like I said, in a different way. And that Carolina is always right around that 500, maybe a little higher, a little lower, but been to one NCA tournament in nine years. Uh, and Friday night or Saturday night, excuse me, from somebody who was there, wh- what I was told is that Martin just, wasn't very active in coaching them it, like he was just sort of I don't know fed up with them uh, or what his team or what the deal was but it was kind of an odd deal there and it's just been kind of an odd situation in Columbia period with one final four but not a whole lot else to show for it yeah this
1: will be their ninth season um, under Frank Martin in one NCAA tournament and they went to the final four and it was for job security it was well positioned it was in year five so that Buys you some time. Now they've had seasons where they've gone 11 and 7, 11 and 7, and 10 and 8 in the SEC and not made the NCAA tournament. Usually those are records that are good enough. I'd have to go; you'd have to go back and look at each individual season. But I know they've had some really poor pre-conference seasons, some puzzling losses that have really hurt their their net rating or RPI rating. Uh, you know, Frank Martin's a he's not for everyone as far as being a playing for him, but he's very well respected uh, in the coaching community, everyone likes him. Um, but it's hard that it's hard to be at a, a power five school for nine years and only make the tournament one time. And, you know, you haven't heard any talk about him being on the hot seat. I don't think anything would happen after this year. Um, I know what we said, the same thing about football in South Carolina made a coaching change, but, uh, you know, they've got some talent. AJ Lawson's good. Bryant's good. Um, but his teams, I think you use the term, the floor his teams. usually have a high floor cause they play defense. Uh, they work hard and all that, you know, all those all those cliches, but they're true with South Carolina. Uh, but uh, you know, he and he's it's last year. What I think and Martin might have alluded to this after the game. They were on the bubble last year and they come into Nashville against you know Vanderbilt was playing better late in the year, but a team that that's a team you got to beat if you're South Carolina in the bubble and they lose that game, they come in this year. Vanderbilt's winless in the league and they get run off the court. So um, for being such a mentally tough guy, and his teams played tough. You know, they have not played well in Nashville against some not so good Vanderbilt teams in recent years.
0: Yeah, and that's the second time that Carolina has blown a team out and just followed it up with a dud or a series of duds. They beat A and M, I think, twenty three or twenty four points earlier in the year, uh, and then lost three in a row. Now some of that was opposition. They played LSU, I think, and and maybe Alabama back to back. Uh, which that that doesn't tend to help. Um, in fact, I've got it right here. They beat Georgia by 24 on Wednesday. Yeah, okay, they beat AM and 78-54. Yeah, that's my point. And then they lose to LSU by 5, Missouri by 11, both those on the road, and then they get blown out by Auburn at home by 23. They come back, beat Georgia by 24 at home, and then the Vandy game. So, yeah, I mean, just not a lot of consistency. And maybe you can say – a team that's been sidelined by COVID and those things, and that makes it tougher. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just a weird year between the home court advantage with the crowd uh, being neutralized. I don't know if you'd say it's taken away because I think there's always some home court advantage and just having the other team having to travel. But, uh, you know, and, and I think you have mental health issues all over college sports just with the quarantines and the isolations and just normal life being disrupted you know, hours in front of screens doing online learning, that sort of thing. It's just an odd year uh, to begin with.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't need to repeat what you just said. I agree with everything you said about the the oddness of the year and um but you just you know, college college basketball always the eighteen games, if you get eighteen games it's a it's a grind, but uh, you know, you you don't South Carolina seems to be on have had some very odd scores, like you mentioned, the blowout at A and M, the twenty four point win against Georgia followed up by a a 12-point loss at Vanderbilt, which clearly was, you know, could have been, should have been worse than 12 points.
0: Well, speaking of odd, let's hit the season stat line of Max Evans. Game one, Valparaiso <laughs> scores 16 points, 3 of 5 from 3. I thought played really well, and then I don't know what happened from there. Here is his next ten or so games uh, point totals: two zero two two four two zero four zero. Then fourteen against Arkansas, six against Florida, and twenty nine against South Carolina. Um, I don't know what happened there. Uh, Max didn't play more than nineteen minutes in most of those games, usually right around the sixteen to seventeen minute mark. But we've talked all year about needing a third scorer, and they certainly got that from him.
1: Yeah, and I'll give, uh, you know, you just said he didn't play a ton of minutes in some games, but I'll give Jerry Stackhouse credit. He has stuck with him, and, you know, he started yesterday or Saturday um, knowing that he needs him to be productive. And um, I, I don't know if Max had something else going on. Um, he's always like a pretty level-headed kid out, out there. But not the, You know, he's, he plays with some emotion, but he's not, you know, not the most emotional guy on the court, so I, I can't even begin to explain the reason for his inconsistency um but it's nothing new either we saw it last year you know he he ended the year i think it was 20 points against south carolina had that huge game against lsu um you know when he's playing you could say this about a lot of players but when he's playing well you you look at him and say that 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 guy could be an all sec guard uh you know he's athletic his shot looks good when it's when it's going in and he's a good defensive player um so yeah it's he's It's hopefully he can close his career out strong, but he has definitely had an interesting career.
0: Well, they've had some chemistry issues on the team this year, from what I've been told. I don't know exactly what they are, but when the light comes off and on like that for certain players, you you do start to wonder. I mean, the the oddest thing of the year was that little series where they were on again, off again with games, and as far as I know, not too many people in that program were affected with COVID. I know they had – when the Tennessee game got canceled, that was the rescheduled Missouri game that got canceled on the Missouri and I, All I know is that they had one strength and conditioning coach um, who I think had COVID. Um, I, I don't know that contact tracing, how big of an issue it was, but it, it just odd to me that y- you can play one day uh, and then not play the next, and then you're fine to play a couple days later. I mean, that usually means – When you have a quarantine, that's usually like a 10- to 14-day kind of thing. So, I I don't know. Maybe they're getting some chemistry issues straightened out. Uh, Maybe Max Evans can be part of that straightening out, at least on Saturday night he was. But let's go back to that LSU game last year, Mitch. He gets 31 in that game. The rest of the season, his scoring line, 7, 10, 10, 4, 10, 3, 3, 8, and then 20. And then 4 against Arkansas. So. I, I, don't <laughs> I, don't yeah, I don't know. I don't. Think, I don't mean, think. Yeah. I've watched
1: Vanderbilt basketball for years, and I can't think of a, a more inconsistent player um, or a guy who's had such spurts. I mean, this is going way back, and I think there's actually be, Charles May's played when I was in college, but, but he's older than me. I th- think there's a couple like these were sort of like thirty or high twenties against North Carolina going off. But it just seems like Max Evans has had several spikes, um, you know, against in in some big win. The good thing is, you know, it shows how important he is because every, for the most part, every time he scores, the the Vanderbilt plays well or the Vanderbilt wins.
0: Let's say that there's something in between for him. There's a level where he scores, say, eleven to thirteen a night. What does that do for the win expectation the rest of the year? I, I think it. You know, you got to look at the schedule, but I think it, it, it,
1: it's a big deal. I mean, Scottie Pippen's an all-SEC guard. Dylan DeSue is what, a top 20 player in the league, you think, would you say? No, I wouldn't go that high. I'd probably go top okay, 30. We, okay, so, okay, you got an all-SEC guard. You've got a top 30. You've got another really good player in DeSue, a guy who on any given night can be an all-SEC caliber player. And then you add in another perimeter, a good defender who can get you 15 points. I think that adds a lot. I mean, I, I've repeated this several times probably on this podcast, but heading into the year, we said if Pippen could make the soft freshman, if Pippin and Dassault could make the freshman and sophomore year jump, clearly Pippin's exceeded that. I think Dassault in the past month has done that. He was inconsistent early. I know he missed some time. And then the two other things I thought were if DJ Harvey can be as good as they thought he could be that's clearly not been the case and if Max Evans can be a step up and be a valuable contributor so if you get three of those four things I think it changes this team it changes the consistency of this team it probably helps them out defensively because Max Evans is on the floor more so um yeah I mean it's just clear it makes them a much better team and Max Evans is a very good spot-up shooter um and, you know, when Scottie Pippen can drive and kick, that gives them him another another option on the perimeter. So I think it changes the dy- dynamic of his team. But it's also, we haven't seen it in four years, so it's hard to just sit here and say the light bulb's going to turn on and he's going to average 13, 15 points over the next month. Ho- hopefully that's the case.
0: Well, with Pippen, the expectation for him is going to be high scoring most nights. He's going to get around 18 to 20 in the SEC most evenings. He gets 32 at Florida, but he has six assists and six turnovers, and he goes four of six from the line. South Carolina, he gets 23 points, but he's seven assists, one turnover, and goes eight for eight from the line. That was kind of an underrated component of the win there, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kevin Stallings was the first one that and turned me on to looking at the stat. It was when, when Dan Lange was really good. You know, how many points do you get per shot attempt? And a lot of that is it's obviously your, your shooting percentage, but a lot of it's getting to the foul line. You know, Lange was the key of a king of, you know, 24 points on nine, seven shots and getting to the line. Well, Scottie Pippen, 23 points on 10 shots, 10 field goal attempts, seven assists, one turnover. So yes, he was
0: he was outstanding. How about we do the mailbag? Nope. That's fine. <laughs> well, I'm gonna force okay. it on you anyway. Uh, yeah, otherwise I you take retorts. a pay cut. I, I
1: could hang up or do the mailbag.
0: Uh, yes, that's right. So so, so I win again. Uh, today's mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call Josh today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshumintonhq or facebook.com forward slash JD Minton HQ. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about him here on the Vandy Sports podcast. Brain13 asks, we saw what this basketball team could be with the third score. Do you think someone will step up to be a consistent person in that role? If so, who? Also, do you give Jerry Stackhouse credit for developing two consistent high-level SEC players?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, we've talked about Max Evans. I think he's the most uh likely candidate to be that third scorer um i think the dj harvey ship has sailed for this year i mean he might come back in better shape and another after a year in the sec you know he he scores six points in 20 minutes and four shot two for four from three that's that's great i mean get the contribute contribution but i think we're past the point of expecting him for the light bulb to turn on this year so i don't know who the other candidates would be but yeah i mean i, I think st- Stackhouse is is a good coach. I mean, he he I think he runs good stuff, and, and the guys for the most part they play hard. I I don't think any many people have issues with that, and it's, he clearly has, you know, developing players is important, and it's hard to it's a lot of times from the outside looking at it, it's hard to develop see uh, how much the coaching staff gets credit for developing players. I I, I love how Jay Billis says this all the time. It's like John Calipari doesn't develop an NBA player. He recruits NBA players. You know, um, that's a bit of a development. It does too, sure. Give him credit. Um, so, uh, but that's what you want as a staff. You want the reputation as a staff that can develop players and in turn in, into NBA players. So uh, he's clearly done a good job with Pippen and Dessou. We saw Dessou's talent. So, um, and I don't know if uh, the brain was uh, re- referencing Aaron Neesmith or Saban Lee, but clearly, you know, did did a very good job of Saban Lee, a guy who's in the NBA right now.
0: Yeah, we went through the whole career profile of Max Evans. Just what we have seen does not suggest a guy who can consistently be the third scorer. Now, look, I think I like his chances maybe better than everybody else, just because one thing Max will do is he'll defend, right? And If you're not going to loaf on that end of the floor, that gets you a little more playing time and opportunity. Uh, I I don't know. You've kind of written DJ Harvey off. He has 21 minutes and scored six points. Let's see. The game before that, Harvey was – would help if I could click on the right link here – two points at Florida, then, of course, 16 at Arkansas. Uh, the game before that in what was a a blowout. So I discount that a little bit nine against Tennessee 13 against Mississippi state, none against Kentucky. I mean, I I don't know. There's not really a lot of evidence that there is a consistent third score on this team, but, but I guess I like Evans's chance as much as anybody, uh, given the defensive end. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think it's fair. And, you know, you'd like it to be a consistent the same guy, but they just need another scorer. You know, one game it could be DJ Harvey, one game it could be Max Evans, maybe Miles Studi one game. Um, so yeah, they just need another guy that they can uh, they can get some points from.
0: Yeah, with Studi, I think he's the anti Evans. I think the defense might be the thing that keeps him yeah. off the floor. Um, so again, I, I think one of one part is opportunity. Uh, and that's determined by consistency on both ends. And then the other part is, can you put the ball in the basket? I don't know that Evans has put their, you know, their best put the ball in the basket guy, but in terms of career body and all he's done, I, you know, I, I guess I like him as much as anybody else. i remain remain skeptical uh, that that's solved after one game, but, but it is, at least it's a discussion now when a guy jumps up and gets 29, uh, it plants a seed. So Ann Arbador asks, men's basketball has lost four players the last two years who left early for the NBA or the G League. The freshman rivals four-star Tyron Lawrence, who was recruited by Stackhouse, is out for the season with a knee injury. If you use a pie chart to explain the season's performance, what percent of the pie chart would that be uh, Would be the Bryce Drew hangover effect of recruiting kids who left early for the pros? Do you agree if Saban Lee had stayed for his final year and didn't get injured? Uh, would they have a better record this year? I think that's the first pie chart mentioned on the podcast. Uh, so I'll yeah. let you go with that.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think clearly if Saban Lee comes back, they're a much better team, but Pippen probably is not as good. I mean, he, you know, he just, he wouldn't have the same role in the offense. So he might be as good of a player, but he's not averaging as many points, but that's not, I mean, you would clearly take Saban Lee and a slightly less productive Scotty Pippen. So yeah, I, I, I there's no doubt that Vanderbilt has been hurt by early inju- early uh, entrance to the NBA and obviously injuries too. But that's that's the that's the landscape of college basketball now. So you you can't really use that as an excuse. You could say it's oh it's sort of bad luck that Vanderbilt. Other than Darius Garland, I'm not even including Chateau because I don't think he was coming back. You know that's that's a different case. But Vanderbilt lost two top 100 for you know top 100 ish guys to the nba which is is pretty rare early you know usually it's the five star top 50 guys so you could say there's some bad luck there um but it doesn't do you much good to say oh they could have neesmith you know garland and and lee in the backcourt and pippen you know that's just not the way college basketball works nowadays so um you know lawrence getting hurts unfortunate because you'd like to see him develop and then the acl so he's probably going to be out until you know mid-season next year and depends you know depends on the rehab there so you know, we don't, we don't need to rehash all the, the bad luck that this program has gone through it. It's kind of, it is where it is right now. And, um, um, you know, again, it would be nice to have those guys. And I think sat here when thought Saban Lee probably made a mistake, but he was a second round pick and he's, uh, he's, he has played, he hasn't played the last couple of games, I think, but he's played some, some significant important minutes in, in first halves of Detroit games. So, you know, good for him.
0: This is the way I see their team. Uh, Pippen is a star, maybe a superstar, depending on where you want to draw the line. De- su is a very good player. Uh, you know, I was pushed back a little bit on the top 20 in the league ranking you gave him. Uh, that, that might be accurate. I would have to give that a little more thought. The issue, the issue, you've got a lot of really good players in this league. Um, really, really talented players. And, and if you doubt me, uh, just start Googling mock drafts and see how many SEC players pop up. But, in any case, DeSue is is, is an acceptable number two. Um, or, or, or he's probably better cast as a three on a really good team, but we're picking nits at this point. My issue with this team is a supporting cast, and I'm going to go back a while, okay? You go back to CM Newton's good teams. You had Star Power, Will Purdue, maybe Barry Goheen, Barry Booker, but you also had some Scott Drouds, uh, some Derek Wilcoxes, um, Steve Grant, I think, was on one or two of those teams. Um, you know, some, some really good guys you can count on night in and night out that were supporting players. You go to the SEC Championship team of 92-93. Of course, you had McCaffrey is a star. Uh, you had some really good players besides him. Uh, Ronnie McMahon was excellent. And then you had some supporting guys, uh, Kevin Englund, Bryce Elder, or, or Bruce Elder, excuse me that maybe on a different team would it would have taken a bigger role, but with McCaffrey around, uh, they didn't need to. Uh Chris Lawson was really good. You go to uh, you know, the Sweet 16 team that Kevin had in 03. You had Free was your star. Some nights Mario Moore could be that guy too, but you had Hunley, Lakey, Corey Smith guys like that. Uh you go back to some of Kevin's better teams. You, you go to the one with Isley and Jenkins, and you know, Tinsley was a really good supporting point guard. Um, Lance G- Goldborn, uh, Steve Chingang. I just look at the supporting cast. You know, guys say three to seven on those teams, uh, and compare it with this one. And to me, that explains why this team is where it is because just three to seven, uh, the, the drop off from the, the really best Vanderbilt teams we have seen to what they have now is is pretty precipitous.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's more succinctly said this team is not as talented as other teams. You know, yeah. there's, there's some some very talent at the top, um just unproven and uh you know, just the that's that's where the, that's where the roster is right now.
0: Well, and, and that's what goes back to what everybody has been saying with Jerry Stackhouse from the beginning is about recruiting you're, if you have 13 guys on your roster, you're always going to hit on a couple. And certainly they have with DeSue and Pippen. It's those next-level guys. And just so far, uh, they've been a whole lot more misses than hits. And I, I think that's going to be the thing that's going to determine uh, where this goes with him. If he can get those players and make good evaluations, then maybe they have a chance. Uh, but it's going to have to get a lot better than it has so far. SR Kane says, "Who finishes in the top half of the SEC first, men's basketball or football? Top
1: half. I mean, I think you'd have to say basketball. I mean, I'm a, I'm as bullish and, and Lee higher as anyone, um, but it's obviously it's, it's a tougher road uh, for, for always has been for football. Even you know James Franklin's best team was five and three. I don't from a record standpoint. I'd have to look. I don't know if that was a top." Um, half, you know, from a record standpoint, it might've been, but if you were doing power rankings, it probably was not a top seven SEC team that year. Maybe it was, maybe I'm not, you'd have to go back and look. Uh, maybe I'm not being fair to that team, but um, I think the path is always easier in basketball. Um, so I guess I'd stick with basketball, you know, but again, I'm extremely high on in, in, in Clark Lee, like everything I've seen, heard, read about him. So, um, but you know, inter- inter- yeah, excuse me, interesting question. I'll stick, I'll go with baseball. How
0: about that? <laughs> I like your answer. Well, okay, let, let's let's put a number to this. Over, under, on how many years it will take Vanderbilt to get back in the top half of the SEC in either one. Uh, so, one team finishes in the top half, uh, and, and that's that's the determining factor. What number would you put on that in terms of years?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's a fair question. It's just... You know, it, just, it. I mean, the current state of the bat, the, the trajectory of the basketball program. It's hard to see it. You know, if everyone comes, I've said this many times. If everyone comes back next year, and one of the freshmen, let's say Dorsey or something's good, and and there's more continuity. Obviously, you know, COVID issues and stuff like this roster. Me, if everyone came back next year, and this team is 500 in the SEC. You know, would I predict it? Probably not, but it wouldn't be shocking. Is that top half? You know, you do the math. It's it's close. So. I really, I mean, I, I like questions like this. It's just, but it's just hard to hard to guess. And in football, I don't know. It's 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 so difficult. We'd have to see, um, you know, what, what what the program looks like. Um, you know, James Franklin took a two and ten team and got him to a bowl game. Uh, we think this roster heading into next year has some, you know, serious issues. But if they can somehow overachieve and win some games, we don't think they can win that. That changes kind of your your thinking about them. So. Um, I don't know. I know I didn't answer the question. I'm going to take a quick detour. I'm looking at the 2013 SEC football standings where Vanderbilt goes five and uh, four and four. Did Franklin go five and three in 2011 maybe? But I think 2013 was probably – would you think the 13 team was probably his better team?
0: No, the 12 team was his best team. That's the one that went five and three. That was hands down his best team.
1: Okay. So 2012, I'm just for fun, Alabama – LSU and A&M were clearly better, seven and one. Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, six and two. So that's six teams right off the bat. So from a record, you know, from a record standpoint, Vanderbilt was the seventh best team. Were they better than Mississippi State that year? You know, we'd have to go back and look. But uh, so that that's probably been the only time in the past. I don't know, since the mid-70s, 82 probably, since 82 that you could say Vanderbilt was threatening to be a top-half team in the SEC for football.
0: All right, I'm going to give you my over-under on one of the two programs getting in the top half of the SEC, and you tell me if you think it's fair. I, I'm thinking right in the three-and-a-half to four-year range. And you, th- for, you have a program in mind?
1: Or for either one of them, you're saying,
0: yeah, for for either one. Because look, you could maybe they could rebuild this faster than we think in football. You know, look, there's any number of things that could happen. Nobody in their wildest dreams would have said in 2010 that by 2012 they're going to finish five and three in the SEC in football. So you always have to consider something you're not thinking. Um, You know, frankly, I I think their chance is better. with another coaching staff, again, I, I think people have said from the beginning uh, there have been questions here, there have been questions else elsewhere uh, of if and when Jerry Steckhouse would leave for an SEC job. I, I don't think this is a NBA job. Uh, yeah, excuse me, NBA job. I, I, I don't think this is an impossible rebuild. Um, I, I think it's going to be a tough one, and you know, again, a, a lot depends on. What happens with Scottie Pippen Jr. next year? Because he's going to have transfer options if he wants them. Um, you know, he, he might have a chance to play his way in, into pro money. I mean, certainly he will somewhere, right? So, I, I don't know. I, I think that let's say that, that Jerry leaves for the NBA after this year. They they come in and bring in a Casey Alexander who can rebuild this pretty quickly uh you know maybe maybe you get back to the top half in the SEC in a couple of years uh maybe Jerry stays around two or three more years they're paying him a lot of money maybe they don't get into the top half or even close to the top half uh then you push the rebound back a little further i mean maybe Jerry gets it right too that's another scenario in this but i'm i'm just not really bullish on their chances of pulling it in basketball until it's under another staff uh and football i mean my goodness we we know that's tough regardless right
1: yeah no i mean i agree with everything you said there uh i and there might be a question on this not to change the subject but one thing that that happened recently over the weekend that was i think a very positive and underrated development was chris pierce coming back um thought he you know showed some signs late in the 19 season and then his numbers overall weren't great last year but he had some really good moments scored a lot of touchdowns and um there's some underrated some sneaky good offensive pieces and and getting Pierce back was was a really
0: good sign the buzz that I'm hearing is that the thought is that the talent is maybe better than people think on the football side uh, but it's the culture and and just the stuff that's dragged him down for a couple of years, uh, which has been touched on on the podcast a number of times, not necessarily episodes I've done with you, but th- that's the early feeling that, that's coming out of the, the new staff. Now, I don't know that I agree with that. Um, I look at their defensive backfield and go holy cow, how are they going to cover anybody? Uh, and, and they just lost their best two defensive linemen in terms of pass rushers, uh, not to mention their linebackers weren't very good. Now, look, uh, good coaching can fix a lot of that. I don't think their talent was as bad as it looked on the front seven, for sure. I do worry about their ability to cover. But just for hitting all sides of the discussion, uh, there has been some thought that maybe the football program isn't as bad a shape as it's looked. And again, I always touch back on this. Um, nobody in the million years would have guessed uh, after that Wake Forest game that ended Robbie Caldwell's tenure that. Things were getting turned around that quickly. So when you have a great coaching staff, uh, anything's possible. We'll wait and see what these guys are. But I I think we've covered all our bases there.
1: Hold on, let me jump in. I would agree that, like, I didn't look at this team, sure, they went winless, and that it was any, the roster's any worse than some other, quote-unquote, you know, some bad Vanderbilt teams. Like, you know, I I think it's kind of on par with some teams that have won three or four games and there's just like the, the, the circumstances of the opt-outs and all sec schedule and all that stuff. So I'm not sitting here saying it's the, it's the most talented roster, but I, I don't look at this as like, Oh my, this is like a four year. Got to dig out. There's absolutely no sec talent on the
0: roster. I don't think that's the case at all. Well, I'm going to use the moldy food analogy. Okay. When something goes bad in your fridge, the whole fridge tends to stink Um, and and then sometimes when you get the offending food out of there, um, you've got some things to work with, right? Um, when things go really, really bad, it's usually hard to articulate, um, what you've got to work with, because again, when the whole fridge stinks, it just distorts everything. I don't know if I've articulated that well, but that's kind of the one caveat that I'm giving is I looked at that team and I don't see a lot of talent there. I see more on offense and defense, but, uh, based on experience you have to wonder i I think my dog uh, may have an issue with that i don't know if you can hear him in the background but yes that's how i see it yeah Uh,
1: yeah your dog made a better point than you did i'll put it that way
0: my dog had a rough weekend he got his tail stuck uh as he was jumping in the car uh i don't know how this happened he got his tail stuck in the mechanism that moves the seats back and forth uh and it was in there for 15 minutes before we finally got it out um and and uh oh boy, that was a that was a rough fifteen minutes for everybody. <laughs> but uh, he's he's yeah. wearing the cone of shame uh, to to keep him from getting into the stitches on his tail, and and he's not very oh, no. happy about that. So I I can imagine. Sorry. Yeah, I don't think I would be either. My, my... Um, that comes hopefully off in two days. Yeah, hopefully yeah. it's Oreo. But anyway, uh, okay, does end to a. A bighorn sheep says, "Your top five shooters in the history watching Vanderbilt hoops."
1: Um, good question. Um, I'm going to go like screw percentages. Like when it leaves his hand, am I shocked that it doesn't go in? That's kind of my that's kind of my brom or my, my you know the way I look at it. Um, Scratching some names down here. Help me out to um, I McCaffrey Jenkins. Um, I'm going, so I'm getting some, uh, Slack messages if you hear that beat. but, uh, uh, McCaffrey, Jenkins, I'm going Fisher Davis. Maybe he wouldn't make my final five, but off the top of my head guys where I just expected the ball to go in every time. Okay. So, uh, I've got McCaffrey, Jenkins, Fisher Davis. I never saw Booker play. I know he was not as a high, as, as high volume, um, Goheen's before my time. So I'm not including those guys. Um,
0: Who am I missing? I'm going to give you an easy um, one because I think you would Shane, mention the- Shane Foster. Yes, that was my easy one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Shane Foster, clearly. Um, I think those four, I like those four. Um, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, Frank Secker was, you know, a really good shooter. I don't know if I would have put him in that upper tier. I know he had, his percentages were good. And, and sometimes that's why I go with just confidence in the shot because sometimes guys who aren't always the number one option on offense have higher percentages because they're only taking shots here's a guy brendan and who played for what two years yeah you know i was stunned when when the ball didn't go in when he showed um th- th- those would be the first guys that, that come to mind it feels like i'm missing some i mean obviously we had jenkins from the from those really good stallings teams you know mario mar was a good shooter but i wouldn't put him in that range um, or in that in that group right there. So, anybody I'm missing, Chris?
0: Well, mine are I, Foster, McCaffrey, Jenkins. I think have got to be in there. Not just accuracy, but they shot a lot of them. Um, and and I think when you can do that, when you're a high volume shooter and you're very accurate, that takes precedent of everything else. My two that I had in there, and one of these predates your time. One was Phil Cox. Uh, and a lot of people say Mike Rhodes would belong in there, too. Uh, I remember Rhodes from when I was a kid, but my memory is not as clear as it is on Phil Cox. Phil Cox would have just obliterated, I think, the scoring record with the three-point ball. But um, – and, and Scott Droud would be my other one. I, I just felt like it, it yeah. was the same every time it left his hand. It was a compact motion. Um, I don't know – Memory can do tricky things, but to me, Droud uh, was one. And Booker would probably be my sixth. I think he had or has some SEC accuracy records. Again, didn't yeah. shoot as many, but boy, he was good when he did. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a beauty pageant of shooters, but I think those would be my five.
1: And, um, you know, Aaron Neesmith belongs on a list, although, you know, he didn't do a lot his freshman year. He shot 50% in a truncated sophomore season, so I, I just don't think his career that this was long enough or sample size great enough to include him on the list of you know the best shooters.
0: Yeah, to me, Aaron Neesmith, and this is maybe a cop-out, he just kind of gets an incomplete for his career in just about everything I evaluate him on. Yeah,
1: I, I agree, I agree.
0: Very, very talented player, no no question, but just the, the body of work, uh, it just wasn't that long, so... Uh, we went over the Ryan Lynch hirings last week. Uh, Will, Will, Cal- excuse me, Will Codor wants to know if you've got anything to add there. I, d- I don't know that there's any ground we can cover there that we didn't a week ago, Mitch.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, really, we we we, we uh hit on it. Um, and yeah, I, I that as I stammer through this, nothing new to add.
0: Okay, Theodore 8, this will be our last question. Who gets more wins their first year as a head coach of a team in the East? Clark Lee, Josh Hypel, or Shane Beamer?
1: Good question I, I would go Hypel, just um I mean not that I mean Tennessee obviously has a lot of issues, lost lo, lost a lot of transfers and stuff, but they they've got more talent still than and this i don't don't get this wrong. I'm not saying they're Tennessee's back or their preseason top twenty team by any stretch but I think they've just got more talent than Vanderbilt in South Carolina. South Carolina's in a tough spot for relative to their, you know, what they, their expectations are. They, they lost a lot of guys in the transfer portal. They lost guys in the NFL early. They've got quarterback uncertainty. I mean, I think it's going to be Luke Doty. They're good at running back. Um, but I think Vanderbilt has a good chance to have a better record than South Carolina. So, I mean, I don't know what my prediction would be, but I, I think those are the bottom three teams in the SEC East on paper um, heading into the season. My predi- my my guess is predictions will be Tennessee fifth, South Carolina sixth, Vanderbilt seventh. Um, I think Vanderbilt's got a chance to, clearly got a chance to, to be better than South Carolina and has a chance to be better than Tennessee. Would I predict it? At this point, probably
0: not. I've heard people talk about Tennessee having a shot uh, for seven or eight wins next year. Um, that, that just w- without, well, I, you know, so, some in Knoxville in the media, um, but I don't know that, that just seems high to me given how much they've lost and the place they're coming from.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I mean, we can't sit there and talk about how James Franklin took a bad team that went two and 10 and won six games the next year and then nine games, you know, obviously turnarounds are. Uh, it happens all the time. And Tennessee is always going to have a core, uh, a talented core. Now, they don't, I don't think they have as much talent as they did the last couple of years just because of the attrition um, and, you know, some of the recruiting decommitments. So is, is there enough talent for them to be better than Kentucky and Missouri? Sure, there is. But we just haven't seen it from them in recent years. And the fact that they're, you know, they're, they've lost some key guys, uh, you know, on, on both sides of the ball.
0: Well, and I guess the other question: Are we talking overall wins? Are we talking SEC wins? Because right. depending on what your non-conference schedule is, I mean, if you're playing Eastern Michigan four times, more or less, um, you know, the, the quality of out-of-conference schedules can vary pretty widely with SEC thing. teams. And I, I don't have those in schedule. front of me, so yeah. The Andes is not too tough next year. Yeah, and
1: South Carolina's always. Yeah, South, South Carolina's always playing Clemson. Tennessee always, obviously, is a conference game, but they always have Alabama. Um, so there's there's some built-in right now, built-in losses to those two team schedules.
0: Mitch, that's the end of the mailbag. Anything else we didn't cover that's worth to mention before we end? Nope, covered it all. Oh, we a- We always do. All right, Mitch, thank you for yes. joining us. Tell us your all Twitter right. handle, anything else that you'd like to advertise, upcoming content at The Athletic or whatever, the floor is yours.
1: Uh, just uh, Twitter handles at Mitch Light and nothing really, you know, just I, I always talk about our great college football coverage. Uh, I know Joe's working on, some, working on some Vanderbilt stuff that'll be up soon. Uh, don't know exactly when, uh, but uh, yeah. So just check that out at theathletic.com.
0: All right. Thank you, Mitch. All right. Take care, Chris. He is Mitch Light of The Athletic. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We'll have a couple more of these coming later in